93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. And always streaming at 933kwto.com. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO. We have a huge show today, but we're going to kick it off right off the bat with Gordon Kinney. He's a member of the RNC, and we're going to dive into what exactly is the RNC. Gordon, first, first off, question of the day today. Who was your favorite politician when you were a kid? So it depends when I was a kid. Ah. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know the, if, if I was pushing 18 and probably or 21, it'd be different than it was when I was a kid. Eisenhower was wonderful. I was born in 1952. So, My parents were born in 52. Well, so there you go. I, I could be your dad. So treat me such. <laughs> Garrett, I give him a hard time all the time. His parents were very young when they had him, so I'm older than his dad. Yeah. So that scares me. Yeah. So that uh, means you're you could be my grand grandpa. Is that what we're going for here? Probably almost great grandpa. I think. No, I, I would never say that. I would never. <laughs> all right. When you so, were, when you were a kid, Eisenhower. No, so I, Eisenhower. And you know there was all the Kennedy hubbub, and of course when. When, so I was born in 52, so when Kennedy got shot, you know, I was still a pretty young man. Right, about 11 so years old. So just the, the, the horror of that and, the, uh, you know, all that kind of just brought you to, to Kennedy. I guess I would say 72 was uh, kind of my year where I got involved in uh, politics quite a bit. Um, we uh, I was at Missouri Western. I ended up coming down here to correct a rumor you heard. Uh, that I, I went to Drury, all this great school. I couldn't afford it. I wouldn't have gotten in probably. But I started at Missouri Western as a farm kid up northwest, so Missouri Western was uh, Great 35 miles away. But I worked for a local congressman up there in the 6th District called Jerry Litton. And Jerry had been a, a big farmer, big uh, purebred uh, cattle breeder, uh, a real person. He was from Chillicothe, which was 20 miles from my hometown, Hamilton. So I knew him. He'd been the national president of the FFA, and FFA was bigger than Letterman's Club where uh, you know I went to school. So I knew him, and he was a Democrat. And uh, he was running for Congress. And, and then also uh, a young guy named Kip Bond. So you see where I'm going with this? Good old Mexico, Missouri. <laughs> so I was working uh, Jerry Linton's campaign. This was my first got active. And I was kind of his youth coordinator. And then I was on uh, Kip Bond's uh, youth team also. So there's uh, something those both aren't. And that's one's a Democrat and one's a Republican. And I went to, D- or to Jeff City and the old Missouri Hotel was still an active hotel. I think is it back now? I don't know again? if it is or not. But it was actually a hotel, so that's where they put us up and uh there was about twelve of us and we wrote Bond's college platform, you know, college issues. And interesting enough, it was uh, pretty similar to what Jerry Litton's was. So those were probably my two favorite politicians. Of course Jerry died in a plane crash after he got in the Democratic Senate senatorial primary. You know it's funny because Jerry Litton there was conversations about him being a national candidate maybe running for president at some point and then he died in a plane crash yeah t- today he would be a republican i mean no doubt about it Dad. you know probably so would jfk um but those those are two when i got involved and i was, I was uh, then a sophomore at missouri western and i decided i you know want to pursue this so that's how i ended up down here i wanted to go get a degree in political science 
Although I didn't really understand that political science degree has nothing to do with real politics. So. <laughs> now let's talk about the Republican National Committee. Okay. How long have you been a member well, of the I'm RNC? I'm in my eighth, eighth year, uh, my second term. This is last year of my uh, second term. And we've got, what, three from Missouri? So each state and territory is 168 members, okay? And each state and territory has uh, three members. They're made up of whoever the committee chair is at the point in time, like Nick Myers is ours now, and a committee woman and a committee man. And they're all elected different ways, kind of like how we choose presidential candidates. I know you want to talk about (laughs) But, uh, you know, I was elected at the state convention uh, in 2016. Um, what, what are, what does the RNC do? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what the RNC is and what they do. So first off, we're a bigger, uh, Green County Republican party. We're a bigger Missouri state Republican party. Uh, but we're the national Republican party. So we have laws and rules and funding issues and caps and things like that. We have to stay on, but our main thing is we try and set a, the overall umbrella of the structure for what occurs downstream in the state party and in the uh, uh, you know county level uh, uh, on how the party apparatus is, how we're going to choose candidates. But we deal mostly on the federal level, uh, state governor house quite a bit. We don't we don't play a whole lot in the in the state senate seats or the state house seats or even most of the statewide down ticket uh, you know office holders. Uh, unless there's a reason to do something there to help push everybody up, you know, the, raise the tide, so to speak, like I get stealing a JFK quote, <laughs> Pierre Solinger, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that that's what we do. So we really try and promote uh, the election process, contrary to what a lot of people are thinking, you know. And, I mean, I can send you a weekly report I get on the federal election uh, lawsuits from 2020 that are still going on lawsuits that are going on to uh block certain things happening in 2024 you know again and and uh you know and people aren't even aware of it and i mean uh, we've got a really really conservative guy down in carthage and he called me up and um said da 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 and i said well you know you guys aren't doing anything i said well let me i said so from what i see we are so i said so i'm gonna start sending you every week this update i get on every state that we've got activity going on and all that he thanks me. Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hear that anymore. If that makes sense, you know, uh, one of the big discussions about the RNC is Ronna McDaniel. Mm-hmm. She's run. She's what now in her third term as yeah. as as chair, which is unusual. It is unusual, yeah. and there's been some people that have been complaining because you know, twenty two, twenty eighteen haven't been great election cycles. Um, one, does R d- does that fall under, is that the RNC's issue? And two, what do you think of Rana and why did you all give her a third term? Uh, so a lot of questions in there, pack it in. So Rana was first chairman because, uh, Rice Prefus left the, the chairmanship, didn't run again after he got Trump elected because the RNC for all the Trump people out there, which, you know, I like Trump, uh, that's not an endorsement because I'm supposed to stay neutral. Uh, but he, it was the RNC apparatus that, that got Trump elected. Trump had no money. He had really no big fundraising effort. I mean, it's a whole different operation than, that he went on. Rice Prefus, great guy. That's who I came in under. Uh, he decided not to run again, and Trump chose Rana, kind of like 
the governor, you know, if we have a Republican governor, they kind of say who they would like to have, or they can definitely say who they don't want to have. And um, that's kind of how it's done. And so he chose Rana because of the success she had for him in Michigan. Um, and so I was coming on when Rana was coming on. Okay. I, my first, uh, I, the way we're set up now at the national convention, that's either is the end of your term or the beginning of your end of your past term and the beginning of your new one. So if I don't run again, as an example, uh, my term will end at the convention. That's uh, that's when it, when it is. Uh, if, if I don't run again, our, our convention's in May. So if I don't run, the new committee man won't be a committee man until after the convention like that. So Ronna came in and, um, pretty much Trump's bidding. Uh, the president runs RNC. The president decides where RNC money comes and goes, uh, cause he's the chairman of the board, so to speak. I mean, you've got a chairman, uh, but, you know, Ronna becomes kind of a CEO and then there's a board and, and the White House kind of says how you want to spend the money. So if he wanted to have a, you know, a bunch of donors in, well, we'd fund the event. Uh, we paid for a lot of his travel. Every time Air Force One would go on a political jaunt, we paid for it. Hmm. Um, you know, and people don't realize that. And, uh, so if there was a White House Christmas party, we would probably pay for it. Not saying we should, but that's just how it is. And, um, uh, you know, so that's, that rolls you up to, what happens going into to you know the the election after Trump then into 2022 where we didn't do good? Of course, very few people do good that are president. The opposite party doesn't do you know usually does better than the White House party. Um, so does that get part of the question answered? It does. Then another piece is so uh, nobody ran against her. Um, she runs every two years, you know. So so nobody really ran against her till this last election that we had uh, after the you know the 2022 because um, she she ran unopposed um, and that was a really weird time because we were at a uh, Amelia Island Island in Florida I think is that right no it's Georgia some Florida I forget the name Amelia Island yeah yeah well it was in Florida on the east coast mm-hmm. just south of Georgia okay uh, our R and C meeting started on January seventh wow yeah and we were at a ritz okay it's expensive belong you pay your own way you get there they give you you know food and beverage like that but if you don't take your wife you gotta pay for it and all of a sudden a bacon and eggs breakfast it's 15 bucks tops here in springfield and probably six most places is like 50 dollars, you know <laughs> but laura and i went in early because hey we're staying at a ritz since 250 a night let's just go in early so we watched all this occur on uh, TV, wow! Most of the people weren't even there yet because we went in uh, two days early. And uh, when they did arrive, you know, COVID was still going on, so they and they got up that morning and started traveling. Um, you know, they didn't; they just didn't know what had occurred. Most people were coming in on the sixth, if that makes sense. And so they were traveling on the sixth and didn't really see what was going on. They immediately had to go get a COVID test, stay stay for fifteen minutes, and then we had a reception. And uh, I, I just remember we had a reception and, you know, cocktails, nice hors d'oeuvres, everybody's had it done. I was just sitting there. I'm just like, oh, no. And, and uh, uh, Laura said, what's wrong? I said, well, I kind of feel like Nero in Rome, you know, playing my fiddle while it's burning because, you know, we've got some major PR issues that are going to hit us right now. So, uh, okay. So in this last election, Rana is challenged by somebody. RNC picks her for a third term. Um, right decision, wrong decision. What do you think? 
So given the can, and I know everybody, I've got, I got to know Mike Lindell up there. Um, you know, and what you see is what you get, man. I mean, he's, he's in person like he, <laughs> like he's selling pillows and sheet. He's a wonderful, you know, just outgoing guy, but he's just way out there, but he's a wonderful man, you know? Um, so Harmeet, uh, I had a, a friend call me and, uh, you know, we, we got, she got so much action and I know Harmeet. We came on at the same time. Harmeet Dillon, also a member of the RNC, yeah. also ran against Ronnie McDaniel. Yeah. And so Mike got four votes out of 168. Okay. So he was never serious. No. And, um, it just, it, it, you know, it's just, you can be a pitch man and sit at the top and run a company like that. But, you know, the, the chairs got to actually know how to make the call. And, you know, it's, it's a little more in the weeds, if that makes sense yeah. in the political aspect. And that's why he really didn't. I don't remember what the vote count was, but, you know, Ron overwhelmingly beat her. And basically, it was because of the decorum, you know, uh, some of the falsehoods that were being spread out there on shows like this. Or I know you're not just dyed in the wool, you know, throw red meat out you know, all day long. But, you know, a lot of the other talk. And, and thank God, I mean, Steve Bannon, I'm, I'm glad they're all there. But, you know, they were um, giving Ron a hard time because she had spent, I don't know, like, let's say 100000 on charter airplanes. Well, yeah. But the truth is she was, and this is for a whole one or two year period, uh, she would take a senator and a congressman to Michigan for a breakfast fundraiser. Then they would fly, that they would they would go maybe, and somebody from Colorado would go to Colorado for a luncheon meeting, and they might end up in Miami. So on that one trip, they maybe raised, you know, $500,000. And the total charter deal was different. She got a hard time because she was using... Um, instead of Uber, car services. Well, they had a bomb sitting in front of the, you know, RNC office. And she has threats every day, still does. And so, you know, you kind of got to do, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's a whole different level of stuff. And, um, so, you know, you're just not going to get in the Uber and go because you don't know it'd be pretty easy to set somebody up that way. So these people are bonded, certified, you know, and that, that's how they, they just have to travel. Um, so, and we thought given what we had, there wasn't a whole lot more that could be done, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the donor base had kind of soured, and, you know, and, and we were still, you know, getting hit with the, uh, the 2020 didn't, didn't really, um, uh, or after Trump, the 2018 kind of happens, you know. 2020, we really thought, you know, we probably had a chance. Rana, before the, um, uh, the convention and uh, the day of the election, she was in Georgia actually knocking on doors and broke mm. her ankle because she stepped off a street curb. So, I mean, that's type gal she is. We got to take a break here. We've got Doug Collins and Senator Curtis Trent coming up next. This interview is really interesting. And Gordon, what we're going to do is we're going to put a pin in this. We're going to come back five oh five, do the rest of the interview. But coming up next. Senator uh, Curtis Trent and former Congressman Doug Collins right after this. A man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. Because from then rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, it's more I've gained because it led me back. 
a little slow getting up in the morning? Wake Up Springfield will meet you where you're at. If you miss the morning show live and want to catch the great interviews and analysis on demand a little later in your day, you can go to 933kwto.com or our app and click on the Wake Up Springfield podcast page. So it's okay if it's lunchtime. Do not stop until we are done. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Action packed second hour. We're going to have Joel Cannon, What the Hill, at 520 and the snake draft today. But first, I want to go back to Gordon Kinney. When we left off, we were talking about the RNC's election between Ronna McDaniel and Harmeet Dillon. Uh, Harmeet's a great gal, but she's from San Francisco. She was a member of uh, the ACLU board. Uh, she's a trial lawyer. Um, you know, she just, but she's conservative. I mean, she, she really is. But she kind of makes her living, you know, she, uh, doing lawsuits uh, for conservative causes. And uh, the way they were just out there kind of pushing the issue, was it, it was really came from some of the, uh, you know, the Arizona race too. And, you know, I find it interesting turning point. And, and this isn't a knock. We've got a turning point CFO, Tyler Boyer, who's a friend of mine. It's a, a committee man from Arizona, but all that nonsense that occurred out there. Um, and they want to complain about the RNC and they can't even handle their own state. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. My youngest son lives in Chandler, which is a suburb of Phoenix. He lives in a rental house. So in the 2020 election, he got uh, five ballots delivered to his house. Oh, my gosh. And I said, well, what would you do? So I just, my name was on one of them. I threw the others away. I go, well, now they're in the trash. I, I said, do you think you could? He said, yeah, because I took mine and took it to a drop-off box. And he said, unless they've got a way to compare whose name's on the utility bill to the name on the ballot, I said, well, wouldn't you think they would do that before they mail them out? So a lot of craziness there. But Ronna hadn't done everything right, I mean, by any means. But, you know, to, to run a political operation inside the Donald Trump, because, you know, I mean, I love Trump. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I've met the guy twice in small groups and rooms this size for spend an hour with him. And he's just dynamite. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just, I mean, he's the real deal. But he gets on an issue and, you know, he's going to give you what you're going to hear. You know, he's, he's like a WWE wrestler, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we love that. And that yeah. God, God bless him. Cause that brings a lot of energy to the party. Nobody else has, it really does. you know, um, but you know, we're any money we raised when Trump was there went to Trump. I mean, to the Trump campaign or was used for the Trump campaign. And, uh, so there's just a lot of things that people aren't right on and we can do a lot of things better, but we can't go do some things because we are a national federal uh, committee. You know, so we're limited with what we can spend money on. We're also limited on how much we can. We can only take, I think, about 400000 from one donor where, you know, some of these packs get up to a million dollars. We got donor in St. Louis, you knew who I'm talking about, that's put millions of dollars into, you know, statewide candidates at points of time. So we can't do that as a committee, you know. I mean, we, we you know, because we can't do it, number one. And number two, we can't, from one donor, most we could ever get is 400000 during a election cycle which is a two-year period 
Uh, there's a lot of people that are like, hey, Missouri's too late in the presidential process. We don't get a chance to pick. You know, you and I talked about this off air. Uh, less than 10% of the voters in Iowa showed up to a caucus on Monday, probably picked our presidential nominee. And I'm excited because I think Trump's going to be a great, great nominee. But why doesn't Missouri get to go earlier in the process? Even if even if you get past Iowa, it's New Hampshire and then South Carolina and Nevada. And then what, why can't we be one of those first few states? So um, this RNC does have say over that. And I was on that committee. OK, the election committee on who, who we choose, how it goes forward. And we actually I was on the committee. I was the late appointee because a chair did not get reelected so that the die had already pretty well been cast. What we we're going to do. But. Do we gain, and the Democrats were trying to move away from Iowa because they see it as real conservative, all white people, da-da-da, you know, all that. So that's why Biden wanted to do the North Carolina, you know, I think it's North Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Congressman Claiborne. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. And um, um, so we just felt that's, for us, that's still the best process to kind of stack them, you know, how they're stacked right now. Um so we would never, with the proof, and and but it, they can do that, but we only control it by well, what will we accept your delegates? Right. Okay. Because we have this criteria by which we accept the delegates. So right now, Missouri could move up earlier; they just lose their delegate. There's about, I mean, they could probably move up to fifth or sixth state, you know, because it's. And I'm a, I'm going to miss on this. I told you I've got jet lag. Uh, but you know, you got Iowa, you got New Hampshire, you got. Uh, uh, South Carolina, you got uh, Nevada that all comes in there, and then it kind of then it starts cares. to open up. Yeah, well, on Super Tuesday, you know, is a, a a big time. So, so we could come in. Um, Nick did a great job this year. Meyer, who's our state party chair, because we've had parties have had a hard time raising money because there's so many interest groups out there, and a lot of the small donors want to go with whoever's whatever pack or you know blog or whatever's yelling the loudest. I understand it because they're hitting them, you know, and they they hit their their sensitive spot where they want to give money, um, but we uh, had all the candidates that wanted to be considered in our caucus had a fifty thousand dollar filing fee. These are all the people that 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 were running for president. That's if they wanted to be on the Missouri ballot, they were going to charge fifty thousand on the Missouri caucus involved. Or Missouri caucus, yeah, right, right. The Missouri caucus, yeah. And and the interesting thing is, you've got a lot of these people that said we'll pay the fifty thousand to be on Missouri's ballot they're out of the race now. I yeah. mean, I think Tim Scott paid it, uh, and, and all that money goes to the Missouri Republican Party. Right. We've got more money than we've had in a long time. That's ours. We've always had a lot of money funnel through us, or not a lot, but a fair amount of money that funnels through and goes to a candidate or goes to a county or goes to help push mail for somebody because we can get mail bought at a lower rate, and you're probably aware of all that. Uh, <clears throat> but he did, he did a really good job, you know. And so... I would prefer actually a binding primary. The I think we screwed up. You may have been in the house, and I don't know. No, when I was, we did the first primary, but I don't know why we didn't because it was it was a joke, right? I mean, it was a non-binding primary. Well, why waste taxpayers' money and do that if you're not going to have any results from it? But you know, we had people that kind of like the old caucus apparatus, and some people are kings in their county, kings and queens in their county, and. You know, it makes them important, and and uh, the caucus system, you know, helps it. And the other side of the coin is, we would maybe have different outcomes. Um, would Iowa have been the same if they had a presidential primary? It would be very different. Yeah, because you know, caucuses, you you show up. There's you there's speeches, and you build your groups, and it's it's different than a primary process. We were um, outnumbered in twelve in Greene County, 
and Tom Fowler, who you know had been a former state party member, and I were charged. We we had decided that Romney was the guy to come forward with. And of course, Santorum was the, the other person. There were more Ron Paul people there than anybody else, and we came out with more Romney delegates from Greene County than uh, either one of those two. And uh, just it, it's how you can work the system. And of course, Greene County, you know, carries a lot of delegates into the, um, you know, the seventh, so to speak. So it's just kind of, and that was my first caucus experience in Romney's office, who Romney ended up being a huge disappointment, by the way. Uh, and I, you know, I think, uh, but of, of what we had, um, but they were just, how'd you guys do this? You know, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, you all as the RNC also, you get to pick where the, the national convention is. Uh, this year it's in Milwaukee. Um, how do you, how do you pick that? How, how's that process go? Well, there's not a lot of options. <laughs> And it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, when you say not a lot of options, why is that? It's a massive undertaking. And the Democrats have the same problem. It's don't, don't, I mean, it's, and if you talk to anybody in the Democratic Party that's been involved, because you got to have like 50,000 hotel rooms. I mean, it's massive. Wow. Because all the support staff, all the media that's there, I mean, every, You're pretty much limited to what, like the top 50 cities? I, I mean, it would be a push. I don't think Kansas City could do it. Okay, and um, I, I they maybe and they've applied before. Yeah, and, they, and we really it. tried to to get them there, but you but you also got to be able to secure the place, and um, uh, so they've got to. And it's an, they don't make. I mean, honestly, it's it's not an economic development thing for because I've been involved in the chamber. You know, it's more an ego thing for these cities. And, they don't see uh, a, a big economic boost off it. By the time they spend money, they got to spend for all the security. Yeah, because they've got a fence, literally fence. Um, oh, you know, be like going out and fencing a thousand acres. Wow, you know, high fence. You know, push it all together, secure weak points, access gates. Uh, when we went to Cleveland, we were stuck out in Canton, I think, is where we stayed. It was about a thirty-minute drive. When we hit, like, say, our um, sixty-five. 44 intersection here when we were going in and leaving it was only convention buses mm. so anybody that would be coming up 65 by springfield and if we were accessing say off of carney and off of uh you know this your your road here division street to get to hotels buses were going there that was all cut off from the public just driving around so it's it's a big deal and uh, and then there's politics involved uh, for us, I mean, we do get, I mean, I'd say the Democrats probably have more options, but, uh, Nashville, uh, everybody wanted to bring us to Nashville. Yeah, but, that was a hot pick for a while. But the, uh, you know, city council decided not to do it. And they were maybe somewhat driven by, you know, their, um, you know, politics in the city proper, but mainly it's a really hard city to secure the way we need to secure it. Uh, because there's so much, re- there's so much residential right in the, I mean, it's, you know the okay, residential's yeah. right there, in the in the downtown. I mean the, the downtown, you know, it's just surrounded, and so the, and you can't keep those people from their access, right? So, uh, and then, then you tend to go where it might make a point or two difference. I was going to say state. Wisconsin's yeah. a swing state. Yeah. Uh, you 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 wonder if all of that local news coverage and and any juice from it helps push Wisconsin a couple points. Do we know is that is there any truth to that or is that sort of just you know in the back of everybody? So I'm not a believer it is, but there are those that do. The other thing though is is 
we've got some really strong people from Wisconsin that are in the party that are, uh, you know, and, and uh, that upper Midwest is a, a place we just waver in, you know. I mean, uh, I, I've said this a thousand times. That Rust Belt area, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, those states around there, that's the election. You, it is. Whoever wins those states wins the election, right. and those states don't split from each other very often. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you fight for 1%. I mean, you do whatever you can to kind of get the edge on it. We had our summer meeting in Milwaukee. So we were up there um, in July, August, I can't remember what, for, for a week. How far in advance did they start this process of, of picking these cities? Um, so it used to be that you'd start two years after a presidential race. Uh, the problem is that all the cities had the same problem with housing for like, uh, you know, same people we want to go to might be where they're going to play the, NBA finals, or they're going to do this, or they're going to host another big convention or mid-sized convention. So if you take a downtown close to the convention center hotel that has a thousand rooms and you don't get that locked in, you've got a problem. So, you know, you could have an Amway, I think Amway still, I don't know, but you could have a company convention, you know, and so it's been a problem because they'd be, oh, we wish we'd known we were going to be considered. We weren't already committed to this contract because they don't want to terminate contracts. So now we're like, we'll probably start now to look at our next deal for, uh, uh, you know, 20, was it be 2028? So we started looking at, at four years out and they're, they're looking, they're touring right now. There's a committee that does that. I, I didn't ever want to run for it, uh, of I, RNC members and they're already touring cities, uh, to do it. But the other thing is some of them can't secure it, you know, like St. Louis would have a real hard time. So you can't have a city where, People can go out and block a major intersection, and the local authorities don't want to do anything about it. Oh, man. I mean, and that, you know, I know you said Democrats have the same problem picking a city, but it's a little different because most of the large cities are overwhelmingly Democrat. They would right. be received with a lot of goodwill. Right. Republicans, on the other hand, I mean, Jacksonville or the, the, the larger cities generally are not very conducive to Republican policy. Yeah. So um, you're right. Uh, Charlotte where we were i mean of course in 2020 messed that up yeah so in 2020 it was originally going to be in charlotte and then with covid there was a conversation about doing it in florida and then it just got scrapped well and the reason was our our bylaws we didn't have enough lead time to change the convention site because we have bylaws that we have to adhere to and charlotte wouldn't let us out of the contracts and so we're going out do we just want to spend money defending polling out on that or do we want to spend money trying to win an election you know rnc you get some of the inside information all this stuff tell me your thoughts on the 24 race how's it looking you know we're supposed to stay neutral i mean we really are and not so much primary but like the general like what are our chances against biden i think they're really good um i'm a real practical pragmatic i guess i, I think in my politics though because you got you've got to win and sometimes you got to set your emotions on the side to win and you know, you may hate somebody, but they're the only ones that's going to want win, right? And um, uh, so you kind of got to look at that. And I, I, I think we've got a great opportunity to win it. Uh, and we had people saying, "Why are you guys even going through this election process? Let's just, you know, say it's Trump and go forward." Well, number one, there's rules, there's laws, and you don't want to cheat the public from having their input because you know there were what almost forty percent of the folks that right. Went, went for two other candidates up there too, right? Um, and so you've got to do that process. And I mean, if we don't have a, uh, 
you know, primary for governor here. I mean, you got to have primary elections. That's how you got to do it. So I think we've got really good chances, but it's real volatile. I mean, we're very fluid in this country with a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, I, I hated that the president of the United States, I, I mean, Joe Biden's been long-term. I, I thought he was halfway decent Democrat senator, you know, when he was a senator back in, I mean, he wasn't off the rails anywhere. I didn't like a lot of things he voted for, but he wasn't awful, you know. Now it's either you're way over here and you're way over there, you know. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's not good that we've got him. And I'm 71, okay, and uh, I, I don't have, you know, my pencil's not sharp as it used to be. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd say, who is that? And I remember I asked uh, Senator Blunt, I said, why are you gonna, not going to run again? He said, you know, I see it every day. We've got these senators up here on both sides, and they don't even know, can't remember the name of their fellow member. Well, I mean, I'll have somebody that I knew from something 30 years ago, and, man, I know them, know their face, but don't ask me their name. And it just kind of happens with age, you know. So, And then we've got, you know, thumb on the button, Somebody like that. So I think, but I think we've got very good opportunity if we can get our message out. And messaging is key. And the 2022 election, the Dobbs, you know, decision by the Supreme Court really hurt us in, at the polling places. It was the right decision. I mean, Ronna had me serve on a faith committee and we met with, uh, you know, all the faith people, Susan B. Anthony's and the Tony Perkinses of the world and, See, there I go again, 71, um, you know, and uh, so we, I, I flew to D.C. for a meeting first time and talking about what, how do we, you know, handle this, how do we message this and all that, and had that decision come out one week later, two weeks later, it would have been, you know, uh, or after the election, it would have probably been a different election, and I, I kind of look at who I think are doing good work, Turning Point, I mentioned them earlier, but everybody's got their wheelhouse, and we have so many people that are, you know, making a living off the political process, not just the consult. Oh, the grift is heavy. But I mean, you know, turning, turning points got a big, huge staff and Charlie's doing well. And, and he's a dynamic. Have you ever, have you ever met him? Uh-huh. Yeah. Big guy. Yep. He came to the election meeting. I was going to, cause I know Tyler and I told Ty, I, I told Tyler Boyer, who's his CFO, I said, or CEO, I said, I'm going to be your friend, even if you don't like what I do. And, I went as so I met, he introduced me to Charlie. So well, I was going to tell you, you were no good. You know what? But you're too damn big. So. <laughs> Gordon Kinney, he's with the RNC. Thanks so much for giving us a little insight okay. on what the organization is and what it does. Uh, we're going to be right back. What the hill coming up next with Joel Cannon and then a snake draft coming up at 540.